0: Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends Podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is Art Director Natasha Piper. We've been working with Natasha now for a number of years. It was really cool to hear about her beginnings in theatre and costume and set design. Um, and how she made the jump into commercial content. Please enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with art director Natasha Piper. Natasha, welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. How are you?
1: Thank you. I'm very well. Happy to be here.
0: Excellent. What's been going on? When's the last time I saw you?
1: Well, when you had a beard, ah. <laughs> which feels like a long time ago. It's
0: really been freaking everyone out, actually. Yes, it's strange, um, like
1: a different person.
0: People have been popping into the office and they they can look at me like they don't know who I am mm. because for that sort of short time, they don't like we've had a few partners come in, uh, of the guys that work there and I'll be kind of laughing and joking with them. And you know, when someone kind of gives you that look of, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Have we, <laughs> yeah. Have we met before? But yeah. Why are they looking at me like we're best friends? Mm. Uh, and it just turns out that they'd have no idea who I am. And then they're kind of reminded by, mm. by someone late, at, you know, the day afterwards. And it's, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it, but, it
1: feels like a while ago. But then I think um, that time pre, pre-pandemic feels mm, like a long time ago already, Strange, It, does, it? it
0: like a different age. Yeah. I'm struggling to remember what real life is like yeah shooting like three or four days a week yes I miss it <laughs> we, we,
1: we did complain a lot but now we yeah.
0: miss it <laughs> yeah but it wasn't real complaining it was kind of like <laughs> moaning moaning but you know we do love it yeah. um what have you been up to You've managed to keep keep yourself busy.
1: Yeah, relatively. I mean, I, it did go very quiet at the beginning of the lockdown. So mm. there was not much work at all. Um, but I have been, I'm very good at keeping myself busy. I'm also a bit of a procrastinator. So it's kind of a bit of both, kind <laughs> of muck about a little bit. Um, but I kind of went into drawing, which is something that I always like to do anyway. But I sort of focused a bit more time on drawing, which is something I can do at home on my own, which was great. What kind of stuff are you drawing? um, I have an iPad, which I only acquired a couple of years ago. And I'm a bit old school. I used to always draw and paint Mm -hmm. basically on paper with kind of old school materials. So I've started to learn how to use the iPad a lot more and do digital drawings. But it's mostly illustrations. I draw lots of like characters and this sort of thing. Have
0: you got a background in graphic design?
1: No, not at all. I just always drew when I was growing up. So, and it's always something I I know that I'm relatively good at. It comes yeah. very easily so it's for kind me. Of
0: enjoyable, and yeah. Something you can pick up.
1: Yeah, and people have always told me you should do more of this. You know, so sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe my second career should be, <laughs> I don't know, comic artist or something. Okay, nice. So I was drawing, and then I would put the pictures on on one of my Instagrams and get a few likes and mm-hmm. it was nice and yeah i was mostly doing that and lots of cooking which is another thing i like to do um but since then things have actual work has started picking up which is great
0: excellent nice yeah one. it's a relief <laughs> beautiful Yeah. what's your instagram handle for your drawings if people want to have a look.
1: yes it's at natasha piper design okay so that's my uh, professional page where mm. i put work related stuff and then i have another page where i put non-work related stuff which I don't use very much anymore because I'm a bit slow on the old Instagram I just don't I'm not that into it I just (laughs) like looking at other people's mostly okay yeah
0: nice mate Mm. lovely so here on family and friends we sort of we begin by talking about people's personal journeys into the industry Mm -hmm. uh what's yours like Mm. did you go to university did Mm -hmm. you study you know the kind of things you do at college Mm -hmm. um did you study that, you know, back then or has it have you always okay. been on this path? Or
1: Well, firstly, I come from a very creative home. So both my parents are designers. So that oh. helps in that from a very young age, I was in kind of exposed to a lot of creativity, let's say. But it was mostly in the form of, again, drawing, building things, the kind of stuff that most kids do. Mm-hmm. But I sort of pursued it continually throughout my kind of teenage years and that fell into different categories it was also I was really into music so I used to play a lot of music and listen any, to a lot of music in, any instruments yeah I played the violin the piano and then the guitar and then the bass Whoa! <laughs> but Jeez. I quit I'm, I'm I have a very short attention span so I quickly dropped them I was like oh, violin good. nah bored. <laughs> piano nah not really I was just like I want to be in a band so I need to play like an electronic instrument so
0: you ended up on guitar
1: I ended up on the bass. So oh, okay. I I always wanted to play the bass, bass guitar. guitar nice. But my, my dad was like, you know what? Get get like an acoustic guitar, learn the chords, learn the like get the basics. Yeah. Then then you can move on. To the Apparently
0: bass. they kind of said that's what you're supposed to do. I did the same mm. thing actually. Right. I was like, I want to be in a band, but I can't play guitar. Yeah. it's kinda easy.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. exactly, it's like four strings and boom boom boom. So yeah. you're like, I'll do this, <laughs> fine. Uh that that was cool and I was I also went to quite a nice school where I was Surrounded by friends who also played music. So it was a really easy. Is this
0: all in London? In. Or?
1: No, this was in Belgium. So I grew up in uh, Brussels. Wow, well, really? Yeah. I you didn't know, know that, that right? No. Yeah, I grew up in Brussels, which is a bit odd because I'm not Belgian. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, it was a really great place to grow up. I went to a, kind of an international school. Um, met lots of people from all over the world and got to join lots of crappy bands at school, <laughs> <laughs> which was fun. But the other cool...
0: Crappy m- bands with great bass players. Yeah,
1: well, ish. <laughs> I, I like to dress up, maybe great dressed up bass uh, Okay, <laughs> nice. But the other cool thing about Brussels was it has a very thriving art and music scene. Mm-hmm. So as, as well as playing in the bands and kind of listening to loads of music, I went to loads of gigs in Brussels, which was great. And, and a lot easier to have access to than in a bigger city like in the UK because all those big bands were kind of unknowns in Belgium because it's mm-hmm. a bit of a sleepy country. Things happen a bit slower there, okay. which, which I kind of realise is great for, for when you want to go see your favourite band in a tiny <laughs> venue, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. So that was my, my world was very much kind of art and music. And I knew that I wanted to go into a design career because both my parents were designers and I kind of looked up to them, but I wasn't sure what. So I liked lots of different things, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, But the obvious choice was, well, I'm going to go to art college and it's got to be in London because Mm. there's nowhere else to go and do art. So (laughs) that that was a given. And the other thing is, I don't know how it works now, but when I went to college, foundation course was free i think it wasn't a fee there were no fees for it if you're under 19. i don't know if that's the case now oh, okay so yeah i was under 19 so the course was free yeah. um, but it did mean moving to london living in london which is not free uh, noted <laughs> <laughs> but that was kind of my introduction to the art world was foundation um, at wimbledon
0: So you moved over over to London?
1: Yeah, moved over to London, which was a bit of a dream. It was, at first it was a bit of a disappointment because Mm. Wimbledon is not London. London. (laughs) (laughs) So I I moved there and I think for the first couple of weeks I was like, oh, this place really sucks. (laughs) Because it's so far from town and all the kind of exciting things. But actually, um, the course was awesome. So I really enjoyed foundation. And I made some really great friends. Mm -hmm. So after a couple of weeks, I was like, you know what, I know I'm spending hours of my life on the tube and the night bus and stuff going to places I want to go in London. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I really loved the course. And it was a great introduction to lots of different types of arts.
0: So you, what did you study? Sorry. The- so
1: I did foundation first, which yeah. is an introduction to lots of different,
0: and then you kind come of and choose something later.
1: Then yeah, then my pathway, as they call it, where you got to focus on what your art, I suppose you want to do, is before you apply for your degree for your BA. Um, I actually did theatre design, so set and costume design for oh, theatre. Really. Nice. Yeah, because again, Wimbledon has quite a well-known theatre department, so that was one of the introductory courses on the foundation.
0: What was it that drew you towards that? Because I remember yeah. when I was a kid, actually, mm. I had the same sort of similar thing. I, I would always work in backstage and props and the kind mm. of design for our school plays. Really? Um, and I, I wanted to be a sort of theatre designer as well mm. for a, for a little while there. Um, obviously, I, d- I didn't go to university or anything like that, mm. so that kind of portion fizzled out. But mm. what, what drew you towards it?
1: It was actually the opposite to you. So I didn't have any experience working in the theatre or I didn't even really know what a theatre stage or backstage looked like. It was mostly because I had an idea that I would be doing graphics and illustration because mm. it, like I said, I always drew. So in my mind, I was like, I think this is what I'm going to end up doing. But I was actually quite disappointed by doing it on the course. So I was like, oh, I just don't know. Stimulating. Yeah, yeah. I, it wasn't, I don't know if it was the tutor. I don't know if it was the particular project they assigned us, but it, I didn't get a good vibe from it, let's say. But I did get a really good vibe from set and costume. And mm. I think it's because I really love stories and I like words as well. I've always loved reading and writing. So it was a kind of a combination of the the text and the academia, mm. say, behind a, a story and how you unpick it and how you then show it visually. I think it's
0: more of a three-dimensional medium exactly. in some ways. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And I loved characters. Mm. That was something, again, that came very quickly to me was like drawing Characters and what they would wear and what their hair would look like and all those details I, I got really into. Awesome. So kind of the penny dropped and I sort of went, oh, I think I think I can do this. But I was also in the dark because I don't think I'd ever been to to see a play, <laughs> so I'd never actually seen. <laughs> Did you tell your children that? Or
0: are they Possibly a bit, a bit freaked out, but no. It kind of gives you like a unique insight in mm. terms of.
1: I was very green. Yeah. But like so it, green. But I also had no uh, preconceptions about how yeah. a performance should look or things should be on stage. Mm. And I was also very quickly drawn to like avant garde theatre and experimental theatre and things that are a bit like off the wall. So not really traditional theatre mm. in the kind of British style, I guess. Um but I think the other thing is that Again, I was really young, I was 18. I was choosing, you know, my degree within a few weeks, you got to choose what you're going to do for the next three years. And you mm. just can't kind of have to do it, you know, because you just don't really have time. Something. So you yeah, just say, like, all right, yeah, sure. I'm going to go with this without thinking too much about what this is going to mean in the future, mm. what kind of <laughs> career am I going to have? You just follow so. your gut though. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And and my parents did always say to me, because they worked as freelancers before they joined various design companies. And they did always say, you know, it's a struggle to mm. be a creative.
0: What advice did they give you going into in terms of you choosing something? Because mm. they must have been quite good. Your parents must have been quite good sources
1: mm.
0: of reference. Yeah. To help you kind of guide your way through.
1: Yes, that's true. I mean, I think what's good actually is that they didn't navigate me too much. They mm-hmm. really gave me a lot of freedom. So they didn't say, we're kind of expecting you to do this or we'd really like it if you did that. My mum was the one who said, I feel like is going to be good for you because it's this combination of the text and the narrative and the design kind of all combined. this kind of 3D aspect that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So her instinct was like, this is going to be more interesting for you than say graphic design or illustration um so that was the advice she gave me but aside from that my parents were just like we support you off you go like do your thing which is also good but That's they great. didn't give me too much advice
0: yeah sure. aside from that well it's a fine line isn't it between mm. sort of guiding you know someone's own ambitions and maybe seeing that in you and being like this is maybe what you'd be suited to instead of being like this is what I did this is what you have to do exactly follow me this you know mm. I, I think a lot of people kind of struggle when their parents impose that kind yes. of frame on them yes mm. it's the unnatural instinct to just go against it really yeah. isn't it and definitely people just end up doing something completely opposite
1: definitely i mean I'm, I'm thinking of my friends whose parents were you know very successful lawyers or i don't know other professionals mm. and they they wanted their children to do that yeah and the children didn't really yeah they weren't really into it
0: it's just what kids do i think mm. they just kind of fight against if they feel that like they're being ushered into something Mm. The last thing you want as a a young person trying Mm. to frame your own future and your own personality.
1: Mm. I think that's right, and that you know, I have, I really have a lot to thank my parents for because Mm. they were, on one hand, very influential, but they also never pushed any of their ambitions onto me. So they really were just like, we'll give you all the opportunities we can, but it's entirely up to you to decide what you want to do. Um, in fact, they even tried to discourage me for a little while and said, you know, just cause we went to art college doesn't mean you have to, you know, <laughs> yeah, you could sure. do anything because I was quite academic at school. I was, I was lucky cause I was good at lots of subjects. Yeah, so sure. I could have picked anything in a way mm. and, and probably been quite good at it
0: did you come, ever cross your mind did you ever come close to mm. going to something completely different
1: mm. I think only very briefly when I was still in secondary school being like well should I apply for like an English degree at Oxford because <laughs> you know I could make it work but I just couldn't see myself in that um, environment yeah. I just always felt very driven by creativity and wanting to be doing something less creative.
0: so the academic stuff yeah yeah
1: yeah definitely that's fine and and I gotta say when I arrived to London and I went to college, I felt like a small fish in a big pond because mm. suddenly I was surrounded by incredibly talented people Like mm. really, really talented young people, and I was awestruck mm. um, because there weren't that many people like that around me where I grew up, so here I was amazed people were like you know seventeen eighteen and they were building amazing sculptures they were just creating incredible things on you know on this foundation course so that was really inspiring and that actually pushed me forward Mm. that made me want to you know pursue it more
0: so your foundation was in London yeah in London Um, Wimbledon College of Art which is no longer
1: the foundation course doesn't exist anymore sadly
0: that sucks
1: but the 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 main school does excellent yeah
0: (laughs) so you did your foundation you showed up Mm. sort of Pretty green you, I mean you you had done some you know you, you got some good knowledge in in design and you mm-hmm. got some skills and stuff mm-hmm. you chose uh the theatre design stuff mm-hmm. how was your first year coming into it mm-hmm. completely green yeah just being surrounded by it's uh-huh. just such a sort of enthralling particular area of yeah. creativity were you, were you a bit like was, did it take some getting used to yeah. or were you straight in there like how, how was it
1: That's a good question. Um, I remember that year really well. So so after foundation, I applied to two courses. One was the performance design at Central St. Martins. And one was the uh, design for stage at Central School of Speech and Drama, which is where I ended up going. Mm -hmm. Now, this is pure drama school. So we're not in art college anymore. We're talking (laughs) like, you know, actors, studios, theatres, all of that. But the university has a very big <clears throat> technical theatre department. So they also teach lighting and puppetry and costume design, carpentry and uh, amazing courses for theatre making. Sounds amazing, yeah. It was really cool. So that first year was a massive eye-opener and a big learning curve. But I I really feel like I kind of loved it. I didn't feel out of place. I didn't feel, despite the fact that I felt I had very little experience or knowledge of this world, of the world of theatre and performance. I really didn't know anything. Mm. I didn't feel like I was going to be left behind because I was very, very hungry to learn. So I was doing lots of reading. I was very immersed in all the projects. And the good thing about that course, I remember this really well because obviously most of my mates had gone off to university at the same time doing lots of different courses, mostly in the UK. And we were keeping in touch. This was like the early days of Facebook. This mm. is how I discovered Facebook. It was like 2006. <laughs> how are you going to keep in touch with your mates? It's Facebook. Um, and I, I remember speaking to some friends and, and asking them what they were doing at uni. And they're like, oh, it's great. I've only got like two lectures a week. I'm just like bumming around, you know, smoking. It's like going to parties. Yeah. And I was like, really? Because we're working really hard. We've got, like, we've got this packed schedule every day you know we were on these intense group projects um we were on i think the first term was called something like what is performance and it kind of introduces you to the concept of performance Mm. and does it need to happen on a stage or in a designated space or can it happen on the street or you know are footballers performing because there's an audience you know all these quite interesting and intellectual concepts. Um, that was all happening in the first term and it was it was a lot. It was I remember that time being really hectic, but also really exciting. So it was a great introduction and I, I loved the course. I mm. kind of continued to love it throughout. So it was a it was a good time.
0: So you were kind of working alongside how, how did how did it work? Mm. Like, what kind of stuff were you like, kind of going between different departments? Mm-hmm. What kind of?
1: Well, so the thing about Central, like I said, is it's very it's got very specific courses. So you need to apply already for the specialisation that you know you want to do. Okay. So I already knew I'm going to be doing set and costume design, and the courses designed for the stage. And then there were other courses like the sound design, the lighting. So everyone there kind of felt like well, I know what my interests are. I know what I want to do. So
0: you kind of go into your department. You go into your department,
1: but then what they do in the first year is they want to kind of, strange enough, eradicate it. And they force all the students in the first year to work together in a a kind of equal way. Mm -hmm. So they say, we know that you're a lighting designer and you want to, you know, do your lighting plan for yeah, a right. show, but right now you're going to have to think like a director, or you're going to have to think like a designer. Or I think you're it's going important,
0: to think yeah, to because it it will help cement the roles exactly uh, for people later. Definitely,
1: and it, and it also it takes you out of that box. It makes you understand what a, a collaborator is going to have to experience mm. in order to make make something work. So you can't just think about your own discipline, you need to be able to understand all the disciplines involved. And and theatre is very similar to, to film in that it can't be done um, in isolation. It needs mm-hmm. to happen with lots of different collaborators with different skills coming together and sort of problem solving or choosing how they're going to make something look on a stage or, you know, in a performance space. So it, the way that first year worked was... We had our studio where we could sit and, you know, we could do anything we wanted. We could model, make, we could draw, we could like, you know, use Photoshop or kind of anything like that. But we didn't spend that much time in the design studios because we'd usually be off in different spaces with our groups that we were designated working on a collaborative project. And usually it was quite experimental um, which, again, suited some people and really didn't suit others. Pretty
0: crazy ideas being thrown around. Yeah. Anything it's... anything particularly, strange? Not particularly I, strange? I
1: remember quite distinctly, um, it's like a classic kind of first year project thing. It was like you're in a room, you're being given the most rudimentary materials. It's literally like paper and cardboard Mm. and you got to make something and it doesn't really matter what it is. It doesn't have to be a costume or a set, or it can be a character or it can be whatever. It can be as conceptual and weird as you want, (laughs) as long as you can kind of back it with a bit of your thought process. That's the idea. And and I remember we created something really cool. We made a sort of monster-like costume on one of our, one of our mates. (laughs) And it, it sort of, It's weird, it kind of photographed really well. And then you think, wow, we just use like really cheap materials to make something that looks Mm. quite impactful. So it gives you an idea of what can be done with very limited resources. So either you would work on an in-house production, so one that the students in the school was organising, which was also really cool, uh, what they call a public production actually, because it was open to members of the public. Central actually has a theatre that you can go and watch shows in. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could work on an outside show. So you could find a theatre company that you want to apprentice with and what have you and spend that term working on it. Yes. So they gave you some freedom as well to seek out whatever it was you're kind of into. <clears throat> yeah.
0: um,
1: so I'd say a combination of doing those speculative projects, which I suppose what they're doing is they're trying to make you... become get the skills of analyzing a text and being able to kind of translate it it. exactly yeah yeah. and and also learning how to um present those ideas and and learning like okay i'm not very good at drawing so i'm going to do collage or i'm going to do like some kind of rendering on on photoshop you know trying to trying to find your your skills Mm -hmm. you know through that A combination of that and doing actual productions where you're working with, you know, real performance that needs to open in four weeks. And, you know, you've got actors who need their costumes and, you know, working in a big team. A mix of those kind of um, projects meant that I felt quite... Like, I certainly felt like I'd learned a lot by the time I graduated. It's that weird thing of, like, you feel you've learned loads Mm. and you're introduced to a new environment, and yet you're also, (laughs) like oh now I have to actually start working and I don't know what to do you know (laughs) because also at college you're very supported right you're supported by workshops of lots of you know resources facilities teachers Mm. peers and then when you leave you're a bit like
0: I'm on my own did that give you any like tuition on how to market yourself Mm. as like an independent you know creative once you leave there
1: yeah they did um I, I felt quite positively about the course when I left because they they did warn us that we were all g- probably going to be freelancers mm-hmm. and that was going to be a new world for us and it was going to be challenging. Yeah. So they did all want us to have, you know, a website and a business card and a few basic things like that. This was before Instagram, so we didn't have any Instagram But now they would probably say, have an Instagram page, put some of your work on it. So you had to have, you know, a physical portfolio, kind of online portfolio and physical business cards to hand out to people as and when you kind of met them. Um, And they also gave us a bit of a crash course on accounting, interestingly, because they're like, you don't know what this is, but you're going to have to invoice people for your time and your work. And this is how it happens. And, you know, which was was good, because again, coming, getting your head around the idea that you're going to be a professional and you're going to have to manage your own yeah. income.
0: Managing is, your own business. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: It's pretty overwhelming. And and also it it's be. something that I feel a lot of people don't think goes hand in hand in the creative industry. It's like mm. you can be creative and you can be very savvy when it comes to well, managing you to your business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you're going to have to be. Yeah,
0: mm.
1: So I, does, I thought that yeah, it,
0: it varies from person to person. It's yeah. quite interesting. I know a few guys that our freelance ACs or any mm-hmm. of this but they also on the side sort of run their own kind of kit rental thing right. and they also like they're effectively running three businesses by themselves wow. and some yeah. people just take to it were yeah. you one of those people no no <laughs> not really I'm not I one mean of those people either.
1: Uh, it's weird because on, on one hand I was like I was a very responsible yeah. um student like I was always I was really good at managing my, my finances. I was never like in debt. I, mm-hmm. was, I always had student jobs, so I had income coming in. But on the other hand, I don't know, I, I had a remarkable housemate who was just so organized and meticulous. Like she had folders with everything filed in, all the paperwork, all the impl- just everything when we were still at uni. And yeah. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what is this? So I could kind of see what level one could reach, yeah. you know. So, no, I think that that took sometime mm. and even now it's something that it's it's obviously not the most fun so i think that it's taken a bit of time for it for me to become confident in mm. that area yeah nice. i didn't i didn't take to it straight away <laughs> what was your yeah. final
0: mm. project at uni then what was like your big um, was it, were you part of a big show or how did it Yes work? and
1: no, it was, it was weird. There's something about like these final major projects at uni that I think are, can be a bit tricky because I think I felt a lot of pressure, you know, like this is the last thing it's got to be momentous. It's got to be like, whoa. And, and that sort of drowned me a little bit. It kind
0: of restricts you a little bit. I, exactly. I'm, I mean, I, I didn't go to university as I said, but mm. I did, I studied art and graphics and mm. all this kind of stuff. And. It's down to you to choose your subject matter sometimes or the style or the way you're going to pursue the the brief. Mm. And it it's a bit like writer's block. There's mm. so much kind of pressure on you. If I don't pick the best thing or yeah. if I make it really hard for myself, I'm really going to shoot myself in the foot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I... I It's quite Mm. tricky, that one. Mm. I I
1: definitely relate to that writer's block thing, Mm. that kind of creative block That sort of, this is it, this is Mm. the one, it's got to be, you know. Whereas previous projects where you hadn't really thought that much about it, maybe some of them came out looking great because you're a bit more in free flow, you know. So I did did a project that was speculative. So it was a model. Um, It was based on a dance, a kind of experimental dance piece. And I designed quite, I mean, if I think about it now, also quite a unusual design. I picked a gallery space as the performance space, um, built a model of it. And then the design had a lot to do with earth and soil, which I think has been used a lot in dance. Most mm-hmm. famously, Pina Bausch. She did a very famous performance with soil. But I like the idea of of a, a raw material, real material. Mm-hmm. Um And this idea of the dancer being buried, that was kind of the concept behind it. But I don't know how much I managed to bring that across. Because again, I think I was probably lacking a little bit of some skills, some confidence in how can I depict this? Mm. Thinking of it now, I would have maybe storyboarded it more or maybe tried to do a little video of it or, you know, something. Um, But I remember very distinctly that in our... at the very end of term, they kind of let us go and said, right, you now have a couple of weeks to just, you know, just work on your portfolios, just kind of like wrap up all the things you want to be doing before you, before you finish. Um, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do another project. So I was actually assigned one of the, another public production and I wasn't one of the main designers, but I got to assist a professional designer on that job. So I I always preferred to be part of a real show because Mm. then I liked attending rehearsals and, and, you know, seeing the development and also a bit
0: more tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and being able to be part of something that will be put on and you'll get to see it's very kind of rewarding feeling. Um, And also the nice thing was because I was an assistant, then I was a little bit off the hook. So I was doing what, what I could to help, but ultimately I wasn't responsible for the outcome of this show.
0: bit less pressure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah definitely and and I like that I mean the the designer I worked with wasn't particularly easy in terms of kind of unpicking what she wanted and how I how I was to collaborate with her but I think again just you know the more experience you get doing that stuff the more you get out of it so I'm glad that I think it was just the last three or four weeks of term I got to kind of be involved on another show and that was a really hard piece because it was a post so swan's way i think one of notoriously hard mm. novel to read and they wanted to kind of translate it on stage and it was a bit of a nightmare <laughs> but again not my nightmare
0: It was <laughs> just, this just kind of a ride. fun
1: thing to be involved in oh, yeah that's
0: right. so you finished mm. university mm. um
1: freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> freaked
0: out Talk to me about making that jump between mm. uh yeah. You know, being at university, full-time education yeah. into the freelance world of life.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I was freaking out a little bit because I think like most people, was just like, now what do I do? Yeah. Um, so I remember really clearly I got my first job, my first gig working on a, on a play. And uh, it was in another, it was in another drama school, mm-hmm. um, East, East Fifteen think, yeah. um, if I remember correctly. And the great thing was um, I had quite a good relationship with my tutors at uni and they were also very good at guiding us as students. Yeah. So it was actually my old tutor who, who got in touch with me and said, oh, I know they're looking for, you know, young designer. Uh, da, da. Right. So it was one of those things where it was just an email a recommendation. They said, they called me up and said, come and meet us. And that was my first job. And it was quite soon after, I think it was in September. So if we graduated in July, you know, I had the summer off to, I don't know,
0: awesome.
1: go a bit crazy. And then September I had a job and I remember sitting in the director's office, who, whoever it was, who employed me and he wanted me to be the costume designer. It wasn't the set designer. And he's like, we can offer you £700 for the job. And I had like dollar signs in my eyes. <laughs> I was like, oh my God.
0: What is that? What as in like a, a flat rate? or A
1: flat rate. Does that include um, your budget for it, like It buying meant nothing things, to or? me. I was just like, it's just money. <laughs> um, it, uh, little did I know that it was £700 pounds basically a buyout fee so okay. that that was my fee but i was going to be engaged on this project for like two months you know it's is quite a long gig um i didn't think okay that breaks down to how much per week this or, is you five know. days a week it was pretty much full time five days a week i mean again i didn't have to be there necessarily for yeah ten yeah. hours a day but i was but i was engaged 100% yeah. of the time on this project um, tra- how, how, how traveling does quite this far work far, like yeah, but how
0: can you offer someone 700 pounds for two months work
1: again i think very much the world of theater where yeah. people are notoriously not paid at all if if you know so
0: would it kind of be the thing that you'd have a few jobs on at the same time or
1: no i mean i wouldn't have been able to manage that but again as as someone who just graduated from uni, who'd yeah. never been paid for a job in this industry, it's still. I yeah, was like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a job. I assumed that just I would probably end paid. up assisting someone for mm. either for nothing or for very little, or maybe working on another gig where I'd, again get paid like fifty quid a day, if that. Mm. So it was, my expectations were not high. Sure. So when I was told that they were going to give me a few hundred pounds for a project, I was like. I'm all in, you know, Mm. so, and again, I don't think that they were taking advantage of me. I think that they were very much like, she's just out of uni. She has very little experience. Don't forget, we know we're also putting on a public production, so they, they kind of, they hope that I know what I'm doing, Mm. they're taking a bit of a chance. But you know, when I think back on it, I'm like, that's very little money for yeah. a long period of time, and I was again fully engaged, and I think I did it pretty well. Yeah. Um, but there were quite a few jobs like that afterwards. Mm. But again, it was, it was a way in, and I thought, you know, these people might call me back for their next show. Maybe I'll I'll get close to the director. You know, it, it's all It's all you the things they the tell you. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did you? Your, you said your uh, tutors kind of mm. put, you, put you on for this one. Mm. Did they do that for other people or did mm. you have a, like a pretty good relationship with mm. your tutors and why was that? Mm. Were you kind of nurturing that with a, a long-term goal in mind that these guys are probably going to have the connections? Mm. You know?
1: Yes, I think that's true. I, I think it was also because we, on this course at Central, we were really lucky. We had tiny classes. So, I was one of nine in my year group, oh, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. So if if we had two or three tutors amongst nine students, you actually got to have a bit of a rapport with them. And
0: some, actually, yeah, some really good one-on-one time. And,
1: and they, they have time like to, to... Quite a tight
0: group as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And, and you know, the tutors could get to know what you're good at, what you're interested in and, and try to help you. I And I think I always... I think it was actually because when I was in secondary school, I... Towards the end, I developed good relationships with my teachers, which is not that common, but I actually... Well, no,
0: because the class size is so much bigger as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But I kind of realised, okay, you know what, if you you work well with your teacher, you can get a lot out of it Mm. too. So I guess I had that in me that I wanted to have a good relationship with them because... They can help you out. You know, the the good thing about the tutors at Central is that nearly all of them were working professionals. Mm. So even though they were working as teachers in the school, they would also go and do their own shows. So you respect them as
0: teachers and you know professionals. Professionals in 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 their own right. Yeah. 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 And, and
1: for, for a lot of the other courses, like uh, the lighting course, a lot of the time the teachers would take on a couple of the students under their oh, wing man, and be awesome. like, come yeah. and assist me on this gig, you know, and that's how they introduce them to the world of work. Mm. So I, I sort of quickly understood that in, in that industry, this is how it is, you know, again, it's who you know, and how you get. So I, I just wanted to kind of keep a good rapport with them and see what it led to. And again, I, I didn't necessarily reach out um that particular teacher reached out to me and obviously thought Natasha is going to be quite good for this mm-hmm. one. So put her forward. And I think that they did the same amongst the other yeah, students. Sure. So it was pretty neutral. It just depended on how how they responded. Some were more interested. Others were less keen and kind of went off and did nice. other things. So, Yeah. yeah. So There's a good way in. There's
0: a few paid gigs. Yeah. Uh, as a mostly a costume designer.
1: I did a lot more costume at the beginning. Oh, yeah. It strangely I think I think it was something that feels less risky um for for someone to give you as a job. Mm. Um even though costume is quite complex, but people think oh, it's clothes, you know, like we all wear clothes, so it's gotta <laughs> be easy, you know? But it's quite it's quite a skill. But um I enjoyed doing costume a lot. I got to work very closely with actors and kind of get to understand the psychology it's like that whole people skill thing mm-hmm. that people don't teach you about mm. working in that. And you know that when an actor comes up to you and they're a bit like... They're a bit nervous about something that if you put them in, you know, a pair of shoes that they feel really good in, their their nerves will go. It's really, really it's really weird. It's, it's like, if, like this
0: kind of psychological un- undertones that you need to pick up on. Yeah. yeah and you I need never, to understand that, when yeah. they're
1: saying, oh, you know, I think, I think this jacket doesn't feel right, you know, for the character. They yeah. just don't like the jacket. Sure. And you need to kind of work with them mm. and put them in something that they feel good in, yeah. you know. So that, again, took quite a lot of skill that you don't really... Again, it's not a learned skill. You just have to pick it up as Mm -hmm. you go. You can't be taught. Yeah. So I did a lot of that. And also I was pretty proactive. I wrote to a lot of the designers that I liked. So again, it's something, typical thing they tell you to do at uni. They're like, research all the creatives out there whose work you like and then write to them. And, you know, like write to them incessantly. They didn't really say that, but I know that that's what they meant because you've got to pester mm-hmm. until you get heard so i there was one particular designer who i have always admired her name's miriam buter she still works as set and costume designer she's brilliant um whose work i really liked so i wrote to her amongst mm-hmm. other people but again i think it's that timing and luck thing because she wrote back to me she was one of the few people who wrote back to me and said oh um yeah actually i, I could do with she's like I already have an assistant but I could do with someone to help me on this other project oh, mate, that kind of thing yes yeah, so I was just like <laughs> oh my god I get to meet the designer that I admire you know and and it feels so big and so kind of dramatic and you think that they're gonna live this glamorous existence but they're just like jobbing designers you know it's, they yeah the reality there's nothing glamorous about their yeah. life at all I learned you know they it's funny when you
0: pop that bubble of like what you think something is yeah and then what you find out it is
1: exactly it's
0: fun finding out what it is because then you, you kind of feel like this is actually you know like this is real now and mm. it's not just some concept I've dreamed up in my head it's
1: real and those people working in like really small rudimentary mm. studios they live in really small flats you know all that kind of just just the way it is yeah. so it was a bit of a bubble popping but I was mostly psyched about meeting of her yeah. and being able to like introduce myself to her and say please can I work for you I don't care what it is. You know?
0: <laughs> so she got you a job on yeah, a, pro- so- a project she was working on directly? Yeah, or? She,
1: she immediately got me involved on I think it was a number of projects because, again, this is how I kind of learned how set designers operate in, in the kind of real world when they're quite established is they'll always be working on three or four projects mm-hmm. on the go at, at various levels of kind of progress. Mm-hmm. So she had kind of a regular assistant who worked with her all the time who was working on the current project, and I was just coming in to pick up and do little bits for one of the upcoming projects. Um, but I was I was thrilled because I'm like, she's... And I think she agreed to pay me straight away, which was also nice. great because you you do assume that if you're new and relatively inexperienced and the designer doesn't know you, that they'll want to kind of see how you're working first, yes. unpaid. yeah. They want to be like, come here for a few days, let me see what you do, and then I'll decide if I want to pay you. Mm. And I think she was very fair and she immediately said, I can pay you 80 quid a day or something for your work. And again, I was like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> you know, I was like, yes, I'm going to be rich. No negotiation from And <laughs> no, no, I was like, come in. <laughs> I have since learned to negotiate my fee. Okay, good. But the beginning, I was yeah, I was super working happy. on that poker face? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. I I worked with her for quite a few years, um, oh, right. on and off. I, it wasn't constant. But the nice thing is, again, I built a good rapport with her. She trusted me. I think I improved on my skills a lot while yeah. I was working with her, and she kind of gave me a chance. It's
0: a great bit like being with someone who you're you know you're learning lots off. Yeah, like my, my background's in television, right? And there'd be a few occasions where I'd be working on documentaries and stuff, mm-hmm. and working with people who you respect creatively and technically, mm. and you're a bit scared of them. Not in a, not that they're nasty or anything. Mm. It's just that they know so much more than mm. you, and you throw yourself in that environment, mm. and you're like, wow, it kind of puts it in perspective that yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing yet. Yeah, but it's a good feeling to have because i think so too. if you're surrounded by the right people you mm. will just absorb their habits yeah you know and just kind of feed off each other yeah it's an interesting thing to that's happen that's
1: so true i think that the privilege of being able to be in the environment of those professionals whose work you really admire um, being, I think, a little bit intimidated is is just normal, you know, because you, you, you're in awe of them and you mm. kind of want to know how they do it. And again, you just pick up. You pick up on how they have those phone conversations when they're chatting to the director or how they're going to deal with a difficult situation. Mm. You kind of, you know, your antennae are out and you're picking up on it while you get to sort of keep your head down. And I think have that humility to just... Work hard, Absolutely. you know, and do what's needed. Hmm. you know I think that that's I, i've I've been quite lucky because I've assisted since then lots of different people in in not just in the theater industry but others too. And I've learned so much from that from that time of assisting Absolutely. and and learning to be a reliable person but also being able to have the initiative and occasionally go you know what we need more of that or I haven't found this so I'm going to try and source that instead you know so kind of understanding also that you need to be a problem solver with them that mm-hmm. you don't just want to receive instruction and kind of do it like a machine you know of course
0: mm. yeah so you spent a couple of years mm. working there yeah um, Yeah, so I did a mix of things
1: when I was working in theatre. I did definitely a combination of assisting um, Miriam and a couple of other designers for a few years and getting my own gigs, which was great. So every so often... I'd get in touch with, again, it was either someone put me in touch with them, you know, like a stage manager who I'd once worked with said, Hey, I know this director, they're looking for a designer. Let me put you in touch. Or it was me reaching out to someone and them going, Oh yeah, actually, you know, let's meet up those kind of things. So it's a mix of being proactive and sort of luck and Mm. fate and things happening. Um, so, and I did, quite a bit of assisting, quite a bit of little, little jobs, little odd jobs. I mean, it was also kind of the only way to keep financially afloat because like I said, the odd jobs were usually quite a long engagement. So, you know, putting on a play takes about two months and at least, and it's usually a buyout fee, a low buyout fee. And it doesn't matter how many hours you've got to put into it. you just got to do it. So in order to make that work, I had to kind of... Be doing bits and bobs of other and things. Bits on the side. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I forgot to mention that since I was at college, I had a nannying job. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I did this for years. I thought that I would, I was nannying for a family, mostly, mostly in the evenings and weekends. And I thought, I'm just going to do this, like, for a bit to tide me over a couple of years max. Mm. And literally, like, eight years later, wow. I was still doing it. But honestly, it, it kept me going. Again, it was that side gig money coming in bit regularly of cash,
0: bit of hustle.
1: yeah and it, ha- it helped me be able to you know just focus on on the creative work on the side it's a bit like people who work in pubs or in cafes you mm-hmm. know um that was really helpful but I remember every year just being like oh come on I don't I don't need to do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> and yet I would still they'd call me up and be like are you free next weekend I'd be like okay <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: but it did help and again that is the reality yeah. of Living in an expensive city, you know, I was living with housemates. I had to pay rent and bills and all that stuff. You know, I didn't really have any financial support from anywhere. And, you know, that it's just part of what you need to do in order to to keep going.
0: Lastly, what would your advice Mm. be Mm -hmm. to anyone out there thinking about maybe going into art direction Mm. or, you know, styling on set or... Mm. Any of the things that you know we've spoken about, mm. what's what's your advice? Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it's nice because I um, sometimes I feel like I'm still just starting. There's that feeling of like I'm still just learning and starting out. You know, even though my mm. like, oh I've been doing this for more than ten years now, and I get contacted quite a lot by people who want to That's assist cool. me or get advice yeah. from me, which is you know very humbling. Um, so I my advice would be to I think it's to get to know what you like or get to know a certain industry in that. Again, if you're into film, then, you know, like swallow as many films as you possibly can. Research directors and how they got into the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's about taking in all that information. So don't go into something completely blind, but actually, you know, I, I mean... I did quite a bit of that when I was contacting professionals. I really wanted to know about how they started their careers. Did they enter any competitions? Did they win any prizes, for instance, to get them to where they are? So start to look for those kind of connecting points and be quite knowledgeable about, say, a person that you're contacting, if you want to assist them, for instance. Um, What other advice can I give? Well, certainly having some skills is going to be handy. Yeah. So, but honestly, those skills can even just be, um, they don't even have to be like Photoshop skills or model making skills, or, you know, it can be like, I can drive, I have a car and Mm -hmm. I know where the prop houses are. You know, it could be something like that and just say, I'm really enthusiastic. I don't mind doing a 12 hour day if that's what's required of me. So it's maybe having also that, drive and that desire to to want to work on something um and and being quite sacrificing maybe of your time at the beginning um and i think i i always say this to people but i really think it works i think you have to pester like it it sounds a bit it's not really in the nature i think of a lot of british people because they tend to be quite polite and genteel in their approach to people. But I think sometimes you have to be quite ballsy and actually contact someone repeatedly. Hmm. I I did that when I was in a, you know, in a time when I didn't have any work and I was quite desperate. I'm just like, bugger it. I'm just going (laughs) to write to this person like every day and just be like, can we meet for coffee like you know you don't, yeah, you don't yeah. even have to do this long intro just be like, please can you meet me so we can have a chat because I think it a lot of the time' be
0: able to tell that you are passionate about it yeah I mean I, to do, like.
1: I know it's gonna sound a bit um you know a bit heavy and desperate maybe but I think a lot of the time when you're on the receiving end of those messages or emails often it's just a bad time and you're mm. a bit like shit I'm in the middle of a meeting or I'm driving I'm not gonna answer now I'll do it later and yeah. then you forget yeah so then if you get that email again the next day you go oh yeah it was that James mm-hmm. guy who yeah, emailed yeah. me okay let me write back to him you know I, I find that I get that now I just forget to reply to people so I think a lot of the time just repeatedly doing it Mm. and maybe you know I also had that when I started assisting a food stylist when I was really interested in in food styling I wrote to tons of food stylists and one person got back to me just because it was good timing and they were like oh yeah I have a gig like tomorrow I really need help (laughs) and I could immediately jump in and be like cool I'll be there you know so I think it's also being ready to kind of go you know. So I'd say, yeah, do lots of research, um, persevere a lot and write to people a lot. Um, I don't know what else I would say. And and obviously from a practical point of view, have other work because you're going to need it probably. A bit like you were saying, and you were working a bit in TV, but you're also probably doing loads of... Loads of random side gigs. A few gigs. sources of income. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Also, you, you don't really know who you're going to meet in those other, mm. you know, side gigs, interestingly. That's it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Just expose yourself to you yeah. know, different circles, different people.
1: Yeah. And I'd say even now, just, just to wrap it up, I had kind of a full circle, actually, because during the lockdown, one of my tutors from my uni, from my theatre oh, yeah. school, contacted me nice. and said... Can you please get involved in one of our projects because they had to send all their students home for the last term. Mm. No, for the for the spring term and be like we're going to have to do like, we're going to have to turn this course into an online job. Yeah. So they wanted to hire a couple of professionals in the industry to kind of mentor and guide the That's students nice. on a project. And I didn't think I would ever go back to uni to, to be involved in, you know, cause I'm like, I don't really work in theatre anymore. And they're like, it doesn't matter. You know, like you <laughs> have, you have experience, you have skills and knowledge. Nice. So I actually had a really nice teaching job for a couple of months during oh, lockdown, all, all online, all of, like, theatre students. Yeah. And you, it, was, it was hard because they were saying to me, like, do we have a future in this industry? You know, and I, I wanted to be the kind of positive person, to course, be like, yeah. I know this industry is suffering, but it's not the only thing that there is out there. You know, I said, I know you're studying to be a theatre designer, but it's so broad yeah. you could you could use your skills in so many different things so i really hope that can kind of pass on a bit of a little bit of my experience to other people and give them this open-mindedness about the work you know because you can kind of go to many places with it Amazing. so that was kind of nice yeah that must have been <laughs> yeah was um,
0: fun. lastly do you mm. want to plug any of your uh
1: mm?
0: websites or anything or
1: yeah um Needs an update, obviously. <laughs> they, they always do. Um, it's just my name. So it's uh, natashapiper.com mm-hmm. is my website. And you can see my art directing work and food work on that. So I'm kind of, I'm still very much doing the two and enjoying it. Um, sometimes I do the two together. So it can be food styling and props that I do for one job. Uh, it was at Natasha Piper Design for mm-hmm. my Instagram. Yep. And that's pretty much it fantastic yeah and email me my emails on my website so anyone can email me if they want to ask questions or reach out
0: fantastic well thanks for coming in it's been a uh, pleasure max i'll hopefully see you again soon yes and work together soon yes fingers crossed
1: that's that's what we should aim for it's
0: coming it's coming more santori or tequila or Mm, be awesome maybe a stage show
1: oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, let's do it'll be fun well when i was talking to uh i can't remember who it was Because on one of the other jobs here, we were just saying like, wouldn't it be cool to do like a nice gig, like a big set, you know, something really (laughs) neat. I think it's going to take time until it's something like that. We'll get there. We'll get there. there. Yeah.
0: Thank you again. Pleasure.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: That is all we have time for this week on the podcast, guys. But please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends, that's F M L Y and friends, all one word, for news on our new community hub. And please also check out our main page at familycreative, that's on Instagram, or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time.